Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com, as Mr. Announcer Man Indeed said. Thank you for joining us here. Beautiful Thursday in the fine city of Chicago. The coach with you today. Big Dong is off today, so it's not two guys in a mic. It's one guy, one mic, and of course, the singularly outstanding music of the TalkZone.com. Yes, indeed. Two guys at a mic show, TalkZone.com, coming at you. The coach flying solo today. You want to uh, check into the co-pilot seat, you can do that. We're more than willing to do so. Strap yourself in. Remember, your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device. I did that little mumble stumble here because I don't have the phone number in front of me, but you think I'd have it memorized by now. 888-463-6748. I got that right, right, David? I'm used to the cheat sheet here. When you depend on it, you know you depend on it. More music? We got some baseball to talk about. Tour de France coming at you. We got the World Cup soccer. Not so good news for the United States yesterday. Update on the NFL strike as football is not that far away from us, at least we think. Uh, we got baseball. Round them up and wrap them up today. All kinds of stuff. Again, myself flying solo today. Phone lines open. You want to check in? We would love to hear from you. 888-463-6748 here in Chicago. Our beloved Cubs lose yet again. Five to four. Tough loss. One run loss. White Sox lose to Kansas City. They lose a four to one. So tough loss for them. And, uh, two out of three to Kansas City. More importantly, the Minnesota Twins in town for a four game series. So that should be an interesting one for the uh, suddenly, well, not uh, struggling is probably a little bit too strong of a word, but uh, coming off a little bit of a minor slump against Kansas City, the White Sox. We'll see if we can turn that around. So, Cub Sox fans, you want to check in, want to hear from you as well. Uh, United States World Cup soccer team knocked off by Sweden yesterday, 2-1. to one. I watched that game in its entirety. I am the soccer expert here on the Two Guys and a Mike show. Very depressed, by the way. Very depressed before the show. This must have just happened, uh, David, because I did not see it. In our morning newspapers, but uh, John Mackey, and you're probably a little bit too young to remember him, but one of my favorite NFL players all time, all time, John Mackey passing away. I'm not sure if it was sudden or expect Sony to hear some of the details on that, but man, great, great play. He was the Mike Ditka era. Mike Ditka, don't take this the wrong way, but the, when tight ends were tight ends. I mean, a big, strong, tough guy. It was John Mackey. It was Mike Ditka, and for those fans in my uh, generation, I know there's not that many fans in my generation still hanging around here, but, uh, well, I'm not that old. Come on. Um, and a kid from the Detroit Lions named Charlie Sanders. Those are the three great tight ends that I could remember, the guys that actually caught the ball and all through. Sanders had a little athletic ability. John Mackey and, and Mike Ditka, and everybody knows Ditka 
you know, the coach now and the media personality, the media mogul and the advertising and everybody, but a lot of the young fans don't know Mike Ditka, the tight end. He and John Mackey, they had great hands, good blockers, tough as nails, but they didn't spend a lot of time going east-west on the run. They would basically bring on these defensive backs or go head-on against the defensive backs and against the free safeties and they would see, hey, there's the end line there, the straightest point, the quickest point is from point A to point B. I'm not going to go side to side. I'm going to go through this dude, and that's what they would do. I mean, they would just run right through defensive backs and free safety. There is one highlight film, and I haven't watched it in a long time, but uh, there's, a, there's a highlight film of a John Mackey catch. We'll see if we can get that and tell the fan. You probably can YouTube it, Famous Catch John Mackey, or there's ways of getting it. But it's one of the great catches all time in the NFL. I shouldn't say one of the great catches. One of the great plays by a wide receiver or tight end of all time because the catch is good, but he drags and runs over like three, four, five defenders on the way. And, again, not a lot of time uh, spent going east-west. He just goes straight over people. John Mackey dead at the age of, I want to say, was it 69? I'll have to double-check that, but uh, very depressed. One of my favorite NFL players. Played for the old Baltimore Colts. John Mackey, Lenny Moore, Johnny Unitas, Raymond Berry, Mike Curtis, the middle linebacker. Ah, That's good stuff. Good stuff. I got all excited about the reading about the Pittsburgh Pirates of 1971 back in an old Sports Illustrated. Stargell and Clemente and David Cash and Manny Sangi and trip down memory lane here. I apologize. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Again, the coach flying solo today. Lots to talk about. David Olson, our producer. One thing, Dave, we have not talked about that I did want to bring up a little bit, um, and I know it's been talked about uh, ad nauseum, but um, the Casey Anthony trial, which we I don't think we brought up on this show at all. And Ever. If you're, you know, Ever. It never and came if, up. And if you're new to the two guys in a mic show, we do wander from the sports page uh, quite often. And, you know, everything that needs to be said has almost pretty much been said out there. And, again, ad nauseum. The thing's been a, a complete media blitz, that particular kid. But the one part, and I don't claim to be an expert on it, Dave, talking to you before the show, I know you followed it, but not intrinsically either, but is this whole chloroform thing i don't know if you're familiar with that and and i need to find out more on this but but the the little bit that i have heard is a they found traces of chloroform on little kaylee anthony b on the computer at home casey anthony's home 84 different hits to a website or various websites on the use of chloroform of course chloroform can be used to kill and again i repeat item a the two-year-old casey anthony had traces of chloroform on her in her mouth and of course her mouth was found duct taped now to add to that i don't know if you're aware or not david the mom when she was on stand and what you talk about a dysfunctional family, holy mackerel. It's like the Beverly Hillbillies' worst-case scenario. But uh, the mom said she was the one. That was searching for the chloroform yes. on the computer. Yes, and I forget what her reason was, but, uh, you know, A, cover-up for the daughter, and B, 84 searches? Now, maybe they, you know, proved that there was more information there and then they found out that, in fact, that she was. But to me, if the kid is found, I mean, you got all the other circumstantial evidence. And when you also get to the situation of beyond a reasonable doubt, that's what the law says, correct? 
Correct. Not beyond absolute doubt, beyond a reasonable, a reasonable doubt. doubt. Yeah. So you look at the evidence in this particular case, boy. Now I would think there's reasonable. Now let doubt. me the, the, now let me correct you, and I could okay. be wrong here too myself. Well then, good. The two, now, two wrongs only, make a right. It was only right, the so. state's theory. Yeah. That that uh, Casey was. You know, killed by chloroform or mm-hmm. put under by chloroform because they didn't find traces of it on her body. They did not because the body was completely deteriorated. Okay, and they they could not find a they didn't have a, de- a definitive cause of death because of the deterioration of the body. Okay, where chloroform came in is they found evidence of it in her trunk, and it was the state's theory that she, it was the state's contention. That she drugged her with chloroform, mm-hmm. put the duct tape over her mouth, and then to smother her, and then disposed of the body. Mm-hmm. That is what the ca- that okay. is what the state was trying to prove because okay. that was their theory, mm-hmm. and they had evidence. Point the, the evidence they said that was that would prove that were the computer searches and the evidence of chloroform in her mm-hmm. trunk. Yep, that's what okay. that's what it was. Not actually on her body. And yes. Mouth. Okay. Yes, so, and there and comes there, that. And, and there, that there it lies the problem, mm-hmm. because in the end they could not tie, uh, they could not tie Casey Anthony to the body. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Everything was, you know, circumstantial yeah. and couldn't the, do it factually. Doubt. But then, then yeah. you get to that. You know, was it tied beyond a reasonable doubt? And there you're going to get a whole bunch of differentiation. And again, it's not. Beyond absolute certainty. That's not what the law says. And we'll get to sports here in just a second. I got to bring this up real quick though. And anybody who did follow the trial, has watched the media blitz, et cetera, you want to comment on it, you got agree, disagree, or anywhere in the vast in between, give us a call, 888-463-6748. But that, that, that terminology, Dave, that is where it gets a little hazy beyond reasonable doubt. And again, not that I've uh, perused over every little bit of it, but the little bit I've followed it seems like it would go beyond a reasonable doubt but tough call boy tough call and the jurors really the ones that were interviewed and very few of them by the way they did not want to be interviewed for the sole purpose because i think they felt bad about the final ruling about finding her innocent yeah yeah well i once again i mean the burden of proof falls on the state they did not. They didn't prove their case. It, you know, from, from the outside, it just it, it seems like a slam dunk, mm-hmm. you know. But the only thing that they proved was yeah. that Casey Anthony is a liar and she was promiscuous. Mm-hmm. That's all they were able to prove. Was she a murderer? Possibly, but they yeah. couldn't prove she was. But but you're you and some other media people. This is another interesting aspect of it. You're like putting some blame or some responsibility on the prosecution for it's, not proving. Well, yeah. there, there was no proof. If there was proof, they, they would have provided they, they, it. Not they, like they, they shouldn't have gone to trial. Well, now that's they just, shouldn't have gone yes. to trial. So maybe they, 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 they overreached. Yeah. 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 Okay. But but you can't, you know, hey, you know, they, they, they failed to show the proof. They should have showed the proof. Well, they would have been very happy to show the proof if there was absolute proof. There wasn't. Exactly. There wasn't. And exactly. And sadly, nobody will ever know probably uh, yeah, definitively uh, yeah, what happened. Yeah, unfortunately, the, uh, the state had a weak case. It just, that, that's it. Well, I wouldn't, know. I wouldn't call it a weak case. How about the case wasn't strong, quite strong enough? Well, that, it, it, but by definition, wouldn't that make it a weak case? Uh, the implication weak case means there was really nothing there. There was a lot there. It just wasn't quite strong enough. Here's another weird aspect of it. It's got to be strange. It's got to be unsettling, disturbing as a juror to walk out of there and you, you know, you gave the 
vote for innocence, but in your mind, probably, a, let's, you know, we'll put it in percentages, 73% chance, 75% chance that she probably killed her kid and that we are letting, you know, just a horrific premeditated killer free. Right? I mean, that's that's got to be the mindset uh, of most of them. There's probably a few jurors maybe that, you know, believe she's innocent. Most of them probably believe, yeah, she did it, but not quite enough proof. But, man, so in your mind, you're, you're thinking, man, yes, yeah, she, you know, she committed this heinous crime. Terrible. And we're letting her out free, but there's nothing you can do about it. Boy, that's the uh, American justice system. It's got some ups and it's got some downs on it. Well, yeah, I mean, she undoubtedly committed a crime, but did she commit murder? That's, I mean, well, well, no, when I said the seventy-five percent, one of the theories floating out there is that part of her defense was true that Kaylee drowned in the pool, mm-hmm. but you know, rather the report, she was like, "Oh my God, I would go to jail for it," and she got rid of the body. Yep, that's, I mean, that's one of the other things floating out mm-hmm. there, which is perfectly possible. Perfectly possible yeah. because it's, you know, totally dysfunctional family. This woman is definitely, you know, uh, sticking with the pool um, terminology. She is definitely, uh, you know, out in the deep end somewhere swimming around. She is definitely, uh, if not a complete wacko, at least mid-wacko. So that possibility is there, but you still got the whole chloroform thing. You got the cover-up for 31 days. You could still, as a juror, walk out of there and, you know, even if it's 60%, 60%, 70% sure in your mind she probably did kill the girl and, and you're letting her go. Not for sure. There's still some doubt in your mind, but, you know, there's a, there's a decent chance. And now she's going to go free. Well, I guess she'll probably have to serve some jail time for lying. Anyhow, a weird, weird case in the, the whole chloroform thing. I'm glad you cleared that up for me because I thought it was found on her mouth, but still. No, no, no. It was, it was found in the trunk. Their traces Ooh. found in the trunk. Yeah. And it was the state. It was the state's theory. Well, and that, and that's and that, a pretty no, good no, no, theory. No. And that's that's why it was floated out there so much because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's chloroform. She chloroformed it. It's like, but they didn't have evidence well, that she did. Okay, and but that's, I mean, that's, but people are convicted on circumstantial evidence. Chloroform in the trunk of a car. Last time I checked, you could go around and open up a hundred trunks of cars in Chicago right now. Or any other fine city or small town, and a hundred out of a hundred aren't going to have chloroform in there. So you got that A. You got B. The girl was found with duct tape over her mouth, which adds to that theory. And C. And the computer at home, eighty-four different searches at different times on chloroform. So you know that, that's that's pretty her, solid her circumstance. Mo- her mother caught the searching for it. That's the problem. That's the problem. Well, it's a good kid. I mean, the the mom covering up for the kid. It could be. Could be. Why she would, I don't know. But What do you mean, why she would? She's the mom. That's her daughter. Well, she threw the family under the bus, though. Threw her dad under the bus. Yeah, the daughter threw the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the the, that. (laughs) So the daughter said it was the dad, and the dad molested the kids and stuff. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Can you imagine the Anthony uh, family gathering after I went? Did the daughter and the father still communicate do they talk i don't i don't know all i know is like her parents the second the not guilty was read they got up and walked out of the courtroom interesting so the mom and the dad still together 
Uh, as far as I know, yeah. Okay, beautiful. All right, we'll get off it now because, again, there's been uh, plenty of it out there. I had to bring it up real quick, especially with the big I got to bring it up with the big dog tomorrow and see what he says about it, too. All right, 888-463-6748, two guys at a mic show. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go over the Cubs and the White Sox, both losing yesterday. Cubs got to uh, try to avoid the sweep today, taking on the Washington Nationals. Don't forget, we'll talk a little of news and notes, titillating tidbits as well. Tour de France, World Cup soccer, the Winter Olympics 2018 have been awarded. Don't worry, Chicago didn't get them. We got the NFL player strike, the Women's U.S. Open, all kinds of stuff going on in the world of sports. Jump off the sports page as well. TalkZone.com, coach, flying solo today. That's me. Need a co-pilot. Dial it up. 888-463-6748. Back in a minute. calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone all right every time that guy says once again it sounds like he's tired of me come on man if i can't get any support from mr announcer man where am i gonna get it by the way the big dog is off today because he called me dave his voice is shot and he's got to do tours with his new job, Friday, I think he's got like two on Saturday, two on Friday, maybe even three on Sunday. So he says he's going to try to come on tomorrow, but he's got to rest his voice, and his voice is shot, of course, from being at the U2 concert, where apparently Big Dog was uh, imbibing and then, uh, let's just say, bringing on or giving his vocal encouragement. So the Big Dog uh, feeling fine today, he's just giving his voice a day's rest, and that happens to me a lot, so I can sympathize with the young man. Cubs lose yesterday 5-4, to four, another one-run defeat, tough, tough loss. A lot of people just writing off the Cubs now for the rest of the year. They're in another you know, losing streak. Basically, most of the season has been a little bit of a losing streak. Tough loss yesterday, 5-4. to four. They've now lost three straight to the Washington Nationals, coming off a of losing two out of three to the White Sox. Things go from bad to worse. Again, not playing horrible baseball. It's not like they're getting beat 8-1, to 9-2, to 12-3, etc. They're losing a lot of one-run games of late. The White Sox series, most of those games were close as well. But you can't get big hits late. They lose 5-4. to four. Randy Wells struggling early. And that's another problem the Cubs have had is getting out of the first inning. Man, get off to a good start. 
Seems like the last four or five games, you know, for the first inning, they're down one nothing, two nothing, three nothing right off the bat. Yesterday, I think Wells gives up a couple of runs in the first inning and the Cubs in the hole. Home runs again from Carlos Peña and Aramis Ramirez. Those guys, uh, cold early. Real cold. Are producing some big hits and some big home runs. And sometimes you say those guys get home runs when they don't count. Well, most of Peña's and Ramirez's home runs, and they've been, uh, quite often the last three, four weeks have been at pretty clutch times. So you can't just say they're, you know, hitting them when it doesn't count. They're collecting meaningless RBIs. Uh, you know, most of those home runs have been big clutch ones, particularly Aramis Ramirez. He got another two-run home run yesterday. Pena, two-run homer as well. That was the only runs the Cubs could muster, five to four. And uh, Kerry Wood, love the guy. Love Kerry Wood, but he continues to struggle coming back from the injury. And even before the injury, he had he had some good performances, but I would argue it was still not... I don't want to say the carry wood of old because everybody knows it's not the 20 strikeout carry wood, but it still wasn't even the carry wood that we saw with the New York Yankees. Just not quite the same confidence. Can't blow people away like he used to, but he struggled again yesterday. Seventh inning, gave up a double. I think it was a suicide squeeze that got the run in in the seventh inning. Cubs couldn't score in the eighth and ninth, lose five to four. They got one more game against the National Pittsburgh Pirates. Next on the docket as they travel to PNC Park in Pittsburgh, suddenly, that's a hard ticket to get. I mean, you were a Cub fan and you wanted to travel to Pittsburgh or you're in the Pittsburgh area and you want to get a good seat, you could about just about pick your seat. What was the old joke a couple of years ago, David, in Pittsburgh? Is uh, You know, a guy calls up, you know, what time's the game start today? And the Pittsburgh operator said, what time can you make it? Nine anymore. Pirates, 45 and 41, 36,000 plus showing up. Never been to PNC Park, heard it's one of the best parks around, but the Pittsburgh fans rediscover it. Pirate baseball, Cubs will be challenging them Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That should be a pretty good three-game series. But again, today they have to hope uh, that people will put the brooms away in Washington. They're going for a four-game sweep. Now, the White Sox story is even more interesting here in Chicago. And again, baseball fans, you want to check in, 888-463-6748. White Sox have now lost two out of three to the Kansas City Royals. They'll take on uh, Minnesota starting today, a little four-game series at the cell. Should be good stuff. Great rivals, Minnesota and the White Sox, even though they're not first and second place uh, this year. Third place and fourth place to be more succinct about it. But the uh, White Sox lose yesterday 4-1, couldn't hit the ball. One run against, uh, who was the pitcher for Kansas? Bruce Chen. Bruce Chen. Still pitching. I think he's like 38 years old. Bruce Chen shutting down the Chicago White Sox again. Couldn't come up with big hits. Adam Dunn uh, did get a couple of walks. Give him credit. His, his eye continues to be good. So, you know, he's getting some walks. That's the plus side. On the bottom negative side, he still can't hit the ball. Two strikeouts. No contact for Adam Dunn yesterday. Rios was cold. And now on top of it, you got a couple of guys that had hit pretty well during the course of the season. Carlos Quentin and Alexi Ramirez who've been in, when I say extended slumps, maybe, you know, for a couple of weeks. you got to get those two guys uh, hitting again. But the White Sox collectively struggling against the KC Royals, struggling against Bruce Chen yesterday. They lose 4-1. to one. Got decent pitching today. They're going to get to Phil Umber back in the mound. He's the, right now, the slump buster, the guy who can break the losing streaks for the White Sox. He's been, as we have documented on this show, he's been absolutely amazing. And again, when we say amazing, he's not exactly striking out 13 guys and shutting people down, but amazing in his consistency. I mean, in game in and game out, six innings, two runs, 
Seven innings, one run. Eight innings, one run. Six innings, two runs. Keeping your team in the game more than keeping your team in the game. I mean, he's shutting people down. Keeping your team in the game and giving them a chance to win some of your great sports cliches, that's giving up three or four runs in six innings. And that, even that is not too bad. But Umber's been better than that. Umber's been better than that. If it wasn't for a great year of American League pitching, Phil Umber uh, probably be in the American League All-Star game. Didn't make it, but uh, he had to be at least a consideration. And again, this is a guy at the beginning of the year nobody even heard of. And when I say nobody, I'm talking about his own city. <laughs> the Chicago White Sox, when they went to spring training, the first two weeks of spring training, you could survey probably nine out of ten White Sox fans wouldn't know who Phil Umber was. And Jake Peavy is not ready to go at the start of the year when Umber has a pretty good spring training and they say he's the number five starter. We start to at least, we knew the name. But I guarantee you right now, Phil Umber could walk the streets of Michigan Avenue, could uh, walk bare-chested on the beautiful, beautiful lakes of or beaches of Lake Michigan. And 9 out of 10, 19 out of 20, probably 99 out of 100 people aren't going to recognize the Phil Umber. By the way, I'd be one of those 99. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen the guy on TV with the baseball cap. I haven't seen him interviewed that much. I don't know if he has been interviewed that much, but I think Phil Umber, I pretty safely could say I could walk down the stairs of the talkzone.com out into our award-winning parking lot and Phil Umber could be getting out of the car. I don't think I'd recognize the guy. He's on the mound, taking on the Minnesota Twins tonight. He is going up, uh, forget who the Minnesota pitchers. We'll get that, but it's four game series. Should be, uh, good stuff. Minnesota Twins. Chicago White Sox on top of the big dog not being here, by the way. I'm looking at my notes, and then I'm realizing I don't have any notes. I left all my notes at home, sports page at home. It's unbelievable. No big dog, no guests, no notes, no sports page. Have fun. Two guys and a mic coming at you. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Just looking real quick. We'll leave baseball in a second, go to some of the other stories, take a quick break. But uh, New York, Boston leading the American League Eastern Division, Tampa Bay, Five games back, still in the hunt, looking good right there. Toronto is a ten and a half back at 42 and 45. So it looks like New York and Boston are going to battle right to the end. Could be interesting American League East, and you would think even the loser of that battle is going to come out and be your wild card team in the American League. Cleveland Indians still a game and a half up on Detroit. White Sox now four and a half back after yesterday. So the Sox... Uh, you know, they, they, well, they got to 500. I was going to say struggling to get to 500. They finally got to 500. Finally hit that mark and then boom, right below it again. Couple games below 500. They've been having trouble getting past that mark. But on the optimistic side, you got to remember how far, if you're a White Sox fan, how far in the hole they were. I mean, they dug themselves pretty deep. So I guess if you want to be a glass half full guy, the fact that they're even saying hello, they're introducing themselves, getting familiar with the record 500 is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Western Division, Texas, and the Anaheim Angels tied for first. Seattle three back, Oakland seven and a half back. That baby could be interesting before it is over. That could be fun to watch. Anaheim Angels lose to the Detroit Tigers yesterday, so they won two out of three. They did not get the sweep. That was a heck of a series. I think every game was a one-run ball game. Yesterday was five to four. Remember the day before we had the great pitching duel, Verlander against Dan Heron? One-nothing game, a rarity. Little old school. National League, we talked about Atlanta still putting the heat on. Philadelphia only four back. Philly's trying to pull away. The New York Mets are hanging in there, as are, as are the Washington Nationals. You got four teams 
over 500 in the National League East. It's too bad for the Nationals, the Mets, and the Braves that they're playing in the division of the Philadelphia Phillies. Because if those teams were playing, oh, say, for instance, in the Cubs division, the National League Central, they'd have legitimate shot at winning their division. I mean, legitimate. Cardinals lead uh, Pittsburgh by a game and a half. That's right, Pittsburgh. Woohoo! Pittsburgh a game and a half back, and we are in the second half of the season. That's nice. Good job, Pittsburgh Pirate. Neil Walker, Andrew McCutcheon, Kevin Curry, and the boys getting it done. Who's managing that team? That's the, um, oh, Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle taking over the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was like the eighth manager in the last 10 years. And he said the same things as the other seven managers. When they took over and everybody asked him, how are you going to compete with the team? You got no salary cap. You got no star players. You know, how are you going to compete with the higher paid teams? And Clint Hurdle basically said the same thing as Lloyd McClendon and, uh, all the other coaches that took that job and failed and said, oh, you know, we're, we're not here just to compete. We're here to win. We can do it with the players we got. Well, Clint Hurdle was the first manager who's actually doing it. Now we still got a second half of the season to go. So we'll see. But uh, to his credit, He's got them playing at a fairly high level, and they have not faded uh, after a decent start like they have in previous seasons. National League West, San Francisco, game and a half up on Arizona, Colorado, seven back, San Diego, nine back. That looks like it's a race between uh, San Francisco and Arizona. So we'll keep an eye on it. Baseball, round them up, wrap them up. We do it each and every day. Here are the two guys in a mic show. Should be interesting. Again, White Sox, Minnesota, and the Cubs got one more game against Washington and then start a three-game series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, we'll take a quick break when we come back. Got lots of little uh, titillating tidbits to get to. And also, David Olson, I have to tap into your movie expertise. I saw one of the great classic movies of all time, and I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I've seen bits and pieces and I've heard the sound bites, but I actually watched it from start to finish with a large, thin crust pizza, no cheese on it, artichoke heart, garlic, well, details to come. Let's take a quick break. little movie talk as well as Tour de France and Women's World Cup soccer. Back in a minute, 888-463-6748. Coach Flying Solo. Want to hear from you guys, the listeners out there, sports talk and more. Two guys and a mic. For your calls on Two Guys and a Mic, call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. All right, welcome back. Two Guys and a Mic show. The U.S. Women's World Cup soccer team losing yesterday to Sweden 2-1. to one, A little bit of an upset, and because of that loss, the United States now has to play Sunday. And, and folks, if you haven't watched, uh, catch a glimpse. Even if you're not a big soccer fan, the the aura, the mystique, the intrigue, the passion of the fans of the World Cup soccer is uh, 
unlike very few other sports, it really is cool. U.S. women's team losing yesterday 2-1. to one. they got to take on Brazil. So that's not a good first-round match, and basically now you're in the quarterfinals. They did advance from their pool, but they got to take on Brazil on Sunday. I think that game is going to be at 11 o'clock. Sweden wins 2-1. to one. The game-winning goal. Game-winning goal. They're setting up a free kick. Setting up a free kick, and there's different alignments. One of our players is away from the, you get, what do you get, a pack of like four or five that serve as the, the blockade, if you want to call it, the wall. I think it's the soccer term. And then they had one other player a little bit separated, probably guarding one of the offensive players from the other team. So they take the free kick, and it's shot towards the left side of the goal. Hope Solo, the United States goalie, starts shifting left to make the save. Well, it goes off the knee of the separated defender, the United States defender, and ricochets off of her knee into the opposite side of the goal. So you got the goalie diving for a save on one end and the ball ricocheting, not hard, but painfully slowly into the other end of the goal. Nothing the goalie could do about it. Not, you can't even fault the American defender. It was just a kind of a fluke deflection. It's not like the kicker was trying to do that. And, uh, the United States lose the game because of that two to one. So tough, tough loss for them. They'll be taking on Brazil. Germany, I think, is undefeated. Sweden takes on Australia. That's this Saturday and Sunday. All right. Now, uh, real quick, getting off the sports page. I did watch last night David Olson's slow sports night. Sorry. Didn't watch the Cubs game in its entirety. Did not watch the Sox game in its entirety. You know, my professionalism only goes so far. I got to take a couple of days off, but uh, watch Goodfellas. Now, you know, it's a classic, and a lot, a lot of guys in particular will say when asked what their favorite movie of all time is, not not a lot, but there's a significant amount that will list Goodfellas as one of their favorite movies. And I've seen parts of it. This was the first time I watched it from start to finish. David, I'm going to assume you uh partaken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen it many times. Yeah. I got it in the HD, by the way, which in some of the gruesome scenes, I'm not sure you really want in HD. Woo! A little bit nasty, but great movie. I mean, a great, great movie. Goodfellas, Ray Liotta. Now, it was the st- true life story, right? Yeah, Henry Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what, I mean it, there, you know, some right. things were. It's not supposed to be a documentary. Of, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It, it was. It was based mm-hmm. on the life of Henry Hill in his book. Mm-hmm. Now, Henry Hill was he currently, and Henry Hill was played by Ray Liotta. Is he currently out of jail? I think he's in jail. In jail still. I think he, well, no, 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 cause he, he, cause he did turn, you know, evidence on his right. boss and his crew and everything like that. But I think he ended up doing something when he was in witness protection. I think that's what it said in the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he's, he's under a complete different alias. Probably had to change his look too, right? Well, no, cause I mean, he went, he went public with the book and everything like that. So. So no, he's still living under his own name. Okay, so he's not afraid anymore that any. I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, I know the mob is a, a dying breed at this point, but all it takes is one to be still out there, one in revenge, and they they could get the guy. Good movie though. Good stuff. Great acting. Very graphic. Very violent. But uh, good stuff. Joe Pesci plays the part of what? Uh, not Gotti. Gotti. Oh, who's, he was a guy for. Who's the was, guy that was, gets killed? In the basement, thinking he's going to be. His name was his name was Tommy. The movie wasn't it, it was Tommy. Okay. But it's based on our real life situation of a, of a guy who thought 
that he was going to be quote unquote made and they invite him in the basement for the big celebration and in fact it's a sabotage yep. for the guy. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Good fellas. Good stuff. Anybody who's seen that movie you want to give us a call your thoughts on it, your ratings, thumbs up, thumbs down. I know it's been around for a while. Other gangster movies, that's probably the the best one out there. Robert De Niro, brilliant. As per always, 888-463-6748. It's been a slow summer for movies. Not a great summer for movies, so I had to go back, uh, you know, the old Comcast On Demand. That thing came out when, like 1990? I think yep, it said. 1990, yeah. Yeah, boy. Good, good cast, though. A Joe Pecci. A Robert De Niro. And how about, uh, the, the, the female lead? I never knew it, cause I'd seen, I had seen parts of it at a time. Never realized until I heard her voice. That the soprano psychiatrist, Lauren Bracco, is that yeah. her name? Well, yeah, those Lorraine. are the only two things she ever did, basically. I mean, wow. she's kind of around, but uh-huh. it, it, it's funny. It's like the entire cast of the Sopranos yeah. is in Goodfellas. Michael Imperiola? Uh-huh. Not James Gandafani. He's not in there, is he? No, he's not in there, but mm-hmm. uh, Polly Walnuts is in there. He is? Yeah. Oh, man, I miss Polly yeah, yeah, Walnuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, you blink and you miss him. He was uh. in there. Junior was in there. My favorite character. Junior? Yeah. Two of my favorites from The Sopranos. There were like four or five things. Ah. I can look it up. I should have been looking more carefully. Pauly Walnuts. I forgot about Pauly. Love that guy. But yeah, Lorraine Bracco playing the uh, the female lead in that. The semi-dysfunctional wife of a Henry Hill. Outstanding. You'd be very proud of me. Uh, You know, not quite Kobayashi Heights. Not quite the fame of a Joey Chestnut who... Took the championship at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest with 62 hot dogs and buns. I'm not quite at that level yet, David, but put away an entire large, thin crust pizza. No cheese. No cheese. My kid said, Dad, you are un-American. Yeah, it's not a pizza. Eating well. Well, you know what? Whatever you want to call it. It's outstanding. And I got some redemption, by the way, from the 20-something pizza guy yesterday. Because when I went in to pick up the pizza... There was a female and then a guy behind the counter, and the female was like, she was looking at me like I was some kind of a unique scientific experiment. Pizza without cheese. She she said, can I, you know, the pizza was nice and covered up hot and steaming. She said, can I, can I look at that? Like she had never seen a pizza without cheese. So I opened it up, and, and I had, now the key is, the key is you got to get some stuff on top. Yesterday I went with the, the tomato, the green olive, the artichoke heart and the garlic with the tomato sauce. So basically, yeah, it's pizza without cheese. You don't want to call it pizza. That's fine. But it's you will br- call it bruschetta. delicious. Huh? It's no, bruschetta. No, 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 no. It's not bruschetta. No. Definitely not bruschetta. By the way, mistake. The green olive, a little bit too salty. Should have gone with the black olive. A critical mistake. If I could get into culinary expertise, the green, the salt of the green olive. They put too many green olives out there and it dominated the artichoke and the tomato sauce. At any rate, great movie, good fellows, and I did over the course of the two and a half hours, completely with no help at all, down the uh, large thin crust pizza. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Also, David Olson, I will have you know, this Saturday, I don't know how many people out there know, and I'm going to guess, uh, again, I'll stick with my earlier 9 out of 10, probably 99 out of 100 do not. But Chicago has a women's professional football team. There actually is a women's professional football league, 60 teams strong. I will be. I will be doing the play-by-play announcing. 
of the National Conference Championship Women's Professional Football Game live from Evanston High School, 6 o'clock this Saturday night as the Chicago Force, one of the powerhouses in women's pro football, take on the Boston Militia. Woo! What a ball game. Both teams undefeated. Both, And this is not lingerie football, folks. This is the real deal. Some of your top female athletes out there. Full scale. I mean, they hit. They are tough. And then the Chicago Force has a running back. And I remember watching her play about four or five years ago. Again, at 6 o'clock, Evanston High School. You want to check it out, you can go on the website, www.chicagoforce.com. I forget the name of the league, Professional Women's League. might be the, the PWL. But um, the Chicago Force has a running back by the name of Jessica Springer. Played for the Dallas team. I watched the, the Super Bowl. About three, four years ago, I was helping cover it for Comcast. I was on the field for the Super Bowl, and it was Dallas against Chicago, and this Jessica Springer, a strong, athletic, kind of a, uh, oh, boy, what NFL player would you compare her to? Doesn't Not quite Anthony Peterson because she's more physical than an Anthony. Maybe like an Emmett Smith, combination of power and speed. A little bit of Walter Payton, actually. Again, combination of power and speed. But Jessica Springer played for the Dallas team and ran all over the Chicago team, and they won the Super Bowl. So I haven't followed the team in a couple of years. I get called up to do the play-by-play, and sure enough, I'm told by their award-winning media relations director, George Howe, that Jessica Springer lives in Dallas, but now she's playing for the Chicago team. She commutes in. Beautiful thing. If you can't beat them, join them. So they got her playing for the team. Women's professional football. Who would have thunk it? Great stuff. Force against the Boston Militia this Saturday at 9 o'clock. Speaking of the women, we already talked about the World Cup. Uh, and the U.S. team losing 2-1, to one, we should mention the United States Women's Open, one of the majors for the LPGA, is starting this weekend. I think they're playing in Colorado Springs, Colorado, so we'll keep an eye on that as well. And we got the Tour de France kicking in. The Tour de France, the uh, I think it's the 98th running of the Tour de France, 24 stages, David. So you think you're tired of this? Already bringing up the <laughs> tour to front. We're only on stage five. We still got 19 more stages to go. The fun has just begun. It'll take us right through the month of July, maybe even to early August. Who knows? A couple of days off for vacation pay. The tour to France yesterday. Uh, I think your leader still is Thor Horsted. Again, all my notes left at home. The young man from Norway. He's got like a one second lead now. One secondly, Mark Cavendish, as my memory is kicking in, won the stage yesterday. Again, stage five completed. But he's got a one-second lead over Caleb Evans, who was one of the uh, favorites of the tournament. So we'll keep an eye on it. And again, the two guys at a mic show, probably the only place on radio or TV who each and every day gives you stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France, the 98th running of the beautiful Tour de France. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, more sports. Get off the sports page a little bit, too. Coach flying solo today. Phone lines are open. 888-463-6748. David Olson, our producer. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Don't go anywhere. Back in 42.3 seconds. Right, tight schedule.
Time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. Yes, indeed. Back for the final segment, Two Guys and a Mic show. Beautiful, beautiful Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago, Midsummer Night's Dream. Here's we're right smack in the middle of the summer months. Before you know it, folks, a couple of sneezes, a couple of summer naps, a couple of weekends, and boom! We'll be talking back to school in fall. How's that for your depressing thought of the day? I know most of us not ready for uh, summer to end just yet. And uh, speaking of summer ending, typically one of the good parts about summer ending, we never like to see summer end. I know the kids don't like to go back to school. But when you're talking about the end of summer and kids going back to school, all of a sudden thoughts of uh, pigskin football on Sundays come dancing into our heads. And uh, there's still some question most people seem to think that the NFL players strike, that there will be football on Sundays. And again, me and Joel, by the way, we have hardly brought up the players strike at all. And our approach, and I truly believe this, is, is as long as there are high school football and college football, eh. I mean, I'll miss pro football. I love my Bears on Sunday. But, you know, as long as there's high school and college football, I'm okay. Now, you, you took, you know, if, if all of a sudden the high school players went on strike, College player, I'd probably go out and watch, you know, OLPH take on St. Catharines and junior high Catholic league football. Not quite the same. But, uh, we'll talk about the NFL player strike real quick. Before we get to that, uh, David, you said there's, uh, some good fellows and Sopranos connection. I missed the Soprano. They've been off the air now. That show ended, what, about three years ago, probably? Four years ago, maybe? Four. Yeah. yeah. At least four. Hold yeah. On. By the way, your favorite show. You still watching Breaking Bad? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, yeah, new episodes starting like two weeks. I forget where I was reading, but a, a extensive, extensive review and all positive like you on the Breaking Bad story and where they're going to go from here. But uh, I was tempted, tempted to start getting hooked in and go back to some of the old shows. And even like last night when I was flipping around and, and ended out going to Goodfellas, but Breaking Bad has gotten great reviews. It's and it's not a hard show to get caught up on because they're they're short seasons. It's only like twelve episode seasons, and so they're starting season four, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you could you could catch up in a couple of weeks, and it's 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 one of the best shows on television. Mm-hmm. It really is. Basically, the nice guy. Yeah, well, yeah, he's high a, school he, science he, teacher. Yeah, high school. He's a high school chemistry teacher, and he finds you know he's wife doesn't work. You know he's. <laughs> In over his head with the bills and the mortgage and everything like mm-hmm. that, finds out he has terminal lung cancer. And he's got no way to pay. His insurance can't cover the bills. And he doesn't want to die and wipe out his family's savings and leave him with nothing. So he does what any sensible chemistry teacher would do. <laughs> he uh, finds one of his troublemaking old students who teaches him how to cook meth. And so he goes out and he perfects the formula because he is in the chemistry, mm-hmm. and he becomes like the top meth producer in New Mexico. So I, and things spiral out of control from there. So he sells the meth to make money. Well, he makes the meth, and other people sell it. Okay, people I mean, buy it. From at him. first, you know, they try to find somebody to sell it, and that mm-hmm. causes problems. And they somebody comes to them and asks them to make it for them. That causes more problems. Mm-hmm. And does he I, still continue teaching through all this? Yes, he does. Yes, students have no idea. No, nobody has any idea. And it basically, from the reviews I read, is kind of shows him yeah, as yeah, he yeah, gets yeah. darker he, and darker. His, right? his 
you know, at first he has a moral compass, and then as he gets deeper and deeper into the world, it completely goes away. Uh-huh. Yeah, at first you feel bad for the guy, you feel sorry for the guy, but you see his evolution from, you know, a good guy caught up in a bad situation to a full-on bad guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. How about the uh, the wife and kids? Any idea? I, I don't want to ruin it for you if you oh, want, okay. to, don't want to watch okay. it. Now, if I want to go back, do I need to go back to, like, the first one? Yeah, you have to watch it from the beginning, Oof. from the absolute beginning. How would you do that? you got to go... Uh... You run it from, they probably have it at your local library. I, I would guarantee they have it at your library. Like a DVD that's got all the, the yeah, first yeah, season? Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they have, yeah, they have complete season discs. Oof. It's a lot of TV watching. But it does sound good. I got intrigued reading that. Uh... It's, it's a fantastic show. And mm-hmm. that's why, I mean... And the lead actor is, you know, he was the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. And he was also the dentist on Seinfeld. And you'd, you'd never think. <laughs> What's his name? Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston. Yeah. And he's just, he's just such a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so's the, so's the, his sidekick. The demented high school kid. The demented high school kid. How about the, the cops onto him or not? Again, you uh, well, don't it, give it away? It, 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 well, the thing that makes it interesting, his brother-in-law, is the head of the New Mexico DEA. No. That's not good. So he knows, how to, be keep, a he knows how to keep one step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Although, is the brother-in-law in on it with him? No, no, no. no, no. Okay. His brother-in-law is actually trying to track, you know, his brother-in-law is convinced, oh, there's a new there's a new meth kingpin in town, and nobody <laughs> believes him, and it's his okay. brother-in-law, and he doesn't know that. Okay. And what about the cancer? Do they follow the medical part, or? Yes. They show yes. his health deteriorates a little bit. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I am intrigued. I may just. But have that's. To... I mean, the whole cancer thing. It, it, I don't. I. I could ruin the whole thing for yeah. you, but I don't. I really. Okay. I really think if you're not missing the show, yeah. if you're not watching the show, I got season three on my Comcast in demand, so I can get season three. I just got to catch gotta up. Watch, on... You got to watch the first two. Because like the, it's. Because like big things happen in season in season three, it's like all these mm-hmm. twists and everything like that. But you've got you've got okay. to watch seasons one and all two right. for the setup. Right. That's a commitment. It's a time commitment, it's a but commi- uh, it's a commitment, but it's a worthwhile commitment. Okay, it really is. I may have to lock it. What's your What's your local library district? Glenview. Glenview. I'll look it up for you. I bet you they have it. Okay. All right. Very good. Breaking Bad. Getting good reviews. Getting good reviews. NFL player strike though. We were talking about that and. Uh, we will see. Now it's only what July seventh, so we still got a little bit of time. They're meeting again today, players' association and the uh, NFL owners, and it looks like it's it really, in in a sense, it is very similar to what the Republicans and Democrats are doing as they meet to work on the deficit and the uh, and the budget, where both groups are you know realize something has to be done. And both groups are given a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. There's a lot of similarities to the NFL player strike. There really is to the um, political negotiations going on with the Republicans and the Democrats right now when it comes to who's giving in and who's giving what. But, again, you chop away, you chop away, you get to that center, and there's a nice little core in the center. And, again, we're talking the NFL player strike, but it applies as well to uh, our fine political regime. And, again, the deficit spending and tax cuts or tax raising taxes, et cetera, et cetera. And when you get to that core, both groups have that strong belief and nobody wants to give in on those core principles. So the question is, and I think, quite frankly, I think we got a little bit better chance 
on the NFL player strike than we do with our um, Congress and Senate, sadly, getting together. If I had to put odds on, on one being solved, I would say it would be the uh, NFL football part. But somebody's got to give on those key issues, and that is where it gets a little bit sensitive. Hopefully they can work it out. Hopefully we will get football, and it appears all indications are. I know one of the Chicago Bear players, I think Chris Harris, the free safety. The Bears are playing in the Hall of Fame game this year, which is the very first exhibition game. And he basically gave, and again, this is just Chris Harris speaking, I think pretty much, for himself, but probably some other players feel in that same way that, uh, hey, if we don't, you know, get into training camp by so and so date, there's no way we should be playing in this Hall of Fame game. I think it's August, maybe 27th is the date that's sticking out in my mind. So, you know, for the safety of the players and hopefully the coaches and uh, owners, of course, uh, the the other side of it is there money to be made. In the Hall of Fame game, there's money to be made in those exhibition games, and the money to be made in the exhibition games is by the owners, not the players. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't know, David, if you've uh, followed the NFL player strike, is there anybody's side you're on, or is it, have you taken the approach pretty much, let them decide, and we'll come back and watch when everything's decided? Um, it's hard to pick a side in this situation, because it's billionaires versus millionaires, mm-hmm. but... Um, I kind of side more for the players because part of the thing that they're fighting for is uh, bigger pe- bigger and better pensions for the ex-players. Yes. And I, I think that is... Now, wouldn't that be one of the things that the owners would certainly be willing to give on? I would think. I, I would think they would be, too. Yeah. I would think they would be, too. Because, yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the revenue, it was like it was like a it was an 80-20 split before, or a 70-30. They went at mm-hmm. 50-50. Mm-hmm. The players wanted 50-50. Yeah, players wanted yeah, 50-50. That's a little unrealistic. I, I thought so, too. But. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But the negotiations, the battle continues better than some of the battles on the football field. Not as entertaining. But as far as a, a struggle and fighting through adversity and, and battling a tough opponent, <laughs> what's going on in the negotiations, every bit is, uh, again, not as good because it's not as entertaining as what's going on in the football field. But every bit is difficult. That is for sure. We'll see how it comes out. You got some thoughts on that? Couple of minutes left on the program. 888-463-6748. Don't forget we'll be back on tomorrow, 10 o'clock. The big dog hopefully back with you, back with us here on the two guys in a mic show, talkzone.com. Again, recapping the baseball here in the city of Chicago. Good series starting off this weekend. I like to get to one of the games. Going to be good weather for it too. Minnesota Twins taking on the uh, Chicago White Sox, even when they're not first and second place. Twins, White Sox, good rivalry, usually good baseball, and the Sox struggling. We'll see if they can uh, make a little bit of a comeback. And for the Chicago Cup, put away the brooms, please. Let's beat the Washington Nationals today. Let's not make it a four-game sweep. Then they travel to Pittsburgh, take on the Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, meat and potatoes, part of the baseball season right now. Of course, uh, once Sunday hits, you're going to get a little bit of a break. All-star game on Tuesday, so you finish up your series on Sunday. Most of the players, those non-all-stars, will get a nice little three-day break, and then you start the uh, crunch time, the second half of the season. By the way, one of the guys who probably will not be getting that three-day vacation is uh, Paul Konerko, who did not get named to the All-Star team despite having a sensational first half of the season. He's one of the five guys that are left in the balloting, and it looks like Paulie Konerko will win the vote. What are they, uh, what's the Sox promotion? Paul Star. Vote for Paul Star. Okay. You know, and Paul Konerko's probably thinking, don't vote for me. 
I could use a three-day break. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening, folks. A slightly unprepared, off-the-cuff show today without the big dog. And again, uh, well, I got notes from yesterday's show. But all my notes from today were left at home. But uh, we do the best we can. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Hopefully we'll do a little bit better tomorrow. Friday's show, 10 o'clock. Don't be late. David Olson, our producer, thank you for the assistance today. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. And please, don't be like me. Don't be late.